This is Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star. You're on Deep Background for October 26th with, uh, with me, as always, Steve Kraske with the Star. Steve? David, Great to have you with us. And Scott Cannon of the Star. Hey, Good fellas. morning to you. Steve, of course, with KCUR is up to date as well. Well, we promised last week we'd take a little bit of a look uh, at the some of the issues that are on the ballot uh, in Missouri and maybe a little bit in Kansas. Uh, fortunately, Dr. Cannon has actually done some journalism, which would be a stunning thing for the Deep Background po- podcast <laughs> to actually have reporting in it instead of just bloviation. Well, thanks for <laughs> giving me that doctorate. Yeah, that was, that's <laughs> right. Easy to get, I guess. But, it, um, but it's important stuff, and frankly... I think you guys all know this, the phone calls we typically get as Election Day approaches isn't so much about candidates, but it is what's this Proposition Z or whatever yeah, on the ballot, what the so it's going good on. to talk about it. So let's go to the Missouri side first, Scott. Again, we don't need to get too deep into the weeds, but let's talk about the tobacco taxes. Actually, two measures on the ballot. One raises cigarette taxes a bit more than the other. It phases in. Tell us a little bit. I guess it's what is it? It's... It's Question Amendment 3 and, and Proposition, Proposition A. All right, tell us a little bit about those things. Um, so I, I think the, the, the shortcut is to know that uh, Big Tobacco wants Amendment 3, Little Tobacco wants Proposition A, and the American Cancer Society wants neither of them. The, they think it will get in the way of a significant cigarette tax that would actually discourage people from smoking. Missouri's cigarette tax is 17 cents a pack, the lowest in the country by a by stretch. Far. Um, and and it's it, and the anti-smoking folks see it as no um, incentive not to smoke. It, it, it's not until you put a couple bucks on each pack that people actually set them down or or stop smoking. And their point always on cigarette taxes is as a disincentive to smoking rather than to raise money or to do other things. But in this case, big tobacco and little tobacco are in essence trying to score a preemptive strike a bit against that right. Stuff, that if right? they can that they can put on a little tax that that will keep off uh, a larger tax that might make a difference. And that's because over the years, as these cigarette taxes have gone on the ballot, support for for adding a tax has risen over the years, and it's come very close to passing. So your point about a preemptive move is, is spot on. They're hoping to stave off a bigger increase down the road as they sense the public uh, warming up to the idea of raising uh, this tax. Right, and then the, and the other thing that happened this time with, with two competing measures, we don't really know what will happen if both pass. Mm-hmm. Um, it just adds confusion, which always helps the no vote. So we'll probably end up uh, next year with still a 17 cent. Do you, you get tax. the sense that people are confused about this, uh, these two issues in Missouri? I got to think so. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen. They seem complicated. The ballot language is a little weird. The mechanisms are strange. Well, they are complicated because Amendment 3, the chamber just came out against it yesterday, does some stuff about outlawing stem cell research. There's some fine print here that sometimes. Well, it says that this money can't go to stem cell research. This money can't go to stem cell research. But it's. There's some confusion and, and, about what and, it might mean for stem cell research. And let's be clear. It's Missouri, sort of deliberately confusing, yeah. too. And, and, and just to be clear, Missourians have shown no appetite for raising cigarette taxes really at any point. I mean, they've Well, Steve rejected, just said they're showing more interest. Right, but they haven't passed anything. That's why it's, well, they one, haven't. Of the, that's but, but, why it's one of the lowest taxes in the country. But the expectation is it's going to, that's going to at change some at some point. So yeah. we'll see what happens on November 8th. Let's talk about some other Missouri issues. Uh, 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 Amendment 2 uh, would limit campaign donations in the state. Now, Steve, you've written about this repeatedly, that, that the, the, this idea of Missouri having no limits on campaign contributions is 
is um, uh, harmful to democracy in the state. Now, this is kind of a first step. It doesn't seem like the end step, but it is a step. Initiative petition, so the, the politicians didn't really put this on. The people did. Does it have a chance, and is this the, is this the sort of uh, tact we should take in Missouri? Not only does it have a chance, but the expectation, David, is that it will pass, that these, these uh, good, clean government types of initiatives have always drawn very strong support in Missouri. Back in the 90s when they passed another campaign donation limit initiative, it passed like with almost 75 percent support in the state. So this one is, is expected to pass as well. Uh, one barometer is Chris Coster, the Democratic nominee for governor, has opposed these uh, these caps in the past. Now he favors this. Um, there's some thinking that there's language in this amendment that would also monkey with um, transparency that it would uh, that it would make it difficult to launder money through the system even with these new money caps. To one committee that goes to another committee exactly that, that's yeah. been the weakness of, of the, these plans in the past so yes I think this is going to pass uh, it will dramatically change the culture of Missouri politics once again uh, unlimited donations today strict caps in the future perhaps that would be a big change one of the things scott you hear about this all the time is that it doesn't go far enough supporters sort of say well it's a start it gets us there you hear a little of that on the tobacco tax too that it's a start it really doesn't get you you know completely where you want to go and yet it, it, it's embedded in the constitution so it isn't you know, if you do constitutional amendments, it gets a little more difficult to change it going forward on both of these things. Do you think voters make that kind of calculation or they just look at this and say, hey, good government, let's get money out of politics? I think it's the latter, that people are, are sick of the sewer in, in Jeff City and see money as a big right. part of the problem. Now, the, the pushback from the Rex Sinkfield types is that this will create an incentive for people instead to go through independent expenditure committees, 501-3C4. Yeah, 501-C4. Thank you. <laughs> that, that an extra Dark dollar. money. Dark money. Extra, yeah, and that, that, that since the, you won't be able to write a million-dollar check to a candidate, that you'll write a million-dollar check to a dark money outfit, and that there will be less accountability and less transparency, ironically. I think you know that's maybe a dubious argument depending on how you see things but 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 there's no question that money particularly in Missouri isn't is a distorting force i mean it's just breathtaking how much a Sinkfield or a David Humphreys, you know, the checks that they're writing are seven-figure checks. Yeah, a candidate's getting $100,000 checks, $1 million checks. We've seen all of that now in Missouri. And the public, you know, doesn't doesn't express all kinds of outrage when these kinds of things happen, but I'm sure they're paying attention here. You know, again, the argument against the caps, is, as Scott is suggesting, is that under the current system of unlimited giving, at least you know who's given the money. And, and, and opponents of caps have argued this forever in this state, uh, and that's what voters have to weigh here. But again, given a chance to, to rid the state of money, expect voters to pass or this Or at least thing. limit the effect of money. I don't think you obviously ever get of course, money out of yeah, politics. Of uh, Amendment 6, voter ID, which has been a, an issue in Missouri for years, of course, Scott, and across the country. Pracy, uh, what does that do? And then also, uh, do we think it's going to pass this time? I, you know, I and what is this thing again? Voter ID. Voter ID. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Catch up, Steve. I'm just, <laughs> I missed it. Yeah. It's early. It's yeah. voter ID. It would allow yes, the state course. to enact a voter ID, a picture ID requirement to vote. Right, and it's a classic Democrat-Republican split here. Republicans contend that 
it's a necessary thing to do to keep out voter fraud so that I can't show up and, and cast Dave Helling's ballot because I took your utility bill or something oh. like that. The Democrats um, counter that that there's almost no evidence that this happens on any scale at all, that, that right. it's unreasonable to think that somebody would risk prison to cast a single vote. And that by requiring ID, you are disenfranchising folks who don't have the ability, the ability to, to get, to get the people, ID you need. Old people need. who might have trouble tracking down a birth certificate, all those sorts of things. A lot of us take for granted that we've got a, a driver's license, but there are some people out there who don't have it. But it, it's, it's always interesting to this that it splits on party lines because Republicans benefit when there's a photo ID law and, and, and Democrats benefit when there's not. And, and so it, there's a little bit of cynicism going on behind the motivation. Right. Everybody's trying to game the system for perceived partisan Absolutely. advantage. Does that impact the vote at all? Do you think people look at this and say, nah, this is just more politics as usual? Or I think sometimes you hear from a lot of folks is, hey, I need an ID at the movie store. I need an ID at the... You know, when I go to the liquor store the or whatever movie store. it is. You're so old, Dave. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Very true. Well, there's been so much effort put in, into this issue over the years. This goes back a decade or more that clearly Democrats think there's something to be gained by staving this thing off and Republicans think the converse. So will this thing swing elections by itself? I mean, who knows? A close race, perhaps. But it has to be a pretty close race for that to happen. But when you expect how it turns would split on the RD turnout? Yeah. That it would be pretty straight party guess, vote, what voting, happens, wouldn't you guess? Yes, I would guess. Um, you know, before we go on to the other things on the ballot, it is such a long ballot, such a long ballot. Uh, There's some people it's are possible saying, that people would just not vote on things like this. They get to that point and they want to vote for president or what other, whatever, and they get to this point, maybe they don't even cast. I read an election <laughs> official's comment yesterday, 20 to 25 minutes per voter to get through this ballot in Missouri. Wow. It's, you're right, David. It's very long. Expect lines, expect waits. And what does that begin to right. do to and turn out? And expect people maybe to look at the, this language and just go, you know what? I don't want to work my way through it. I'll just skip all of those. I don't understand it anyway. Which leaves it to the activists who will yes, yes. spend the 25 minutes. And maybe this election will be one more argument that we need advanced voting in Missouri like you have in yeah. Kansas. Interestingly, so, can, so some folks can, can avoid the wait. Have we seen a campaign on, on photo ID, voter ID? We really haven't, you know, of all the things you would, for all the partisan, uh, you know, implications of it, you don't see much of a, you're seeing something on tobacco, a little bit on I tobacco. I bet it's going to pass. Just the betting line, I think, is, is the thing. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's probably likely to. Two other things in Missouri, and then we'll move on. Amendment 4 is kind of convoluted. It prohibits governments from raising taxes on certain services that they don't now tax, Actually, right? It, yeah, or from creating taxing services that it doesn't right. tax, now tax today. Right. So if, if you don't tax a tattoo artist service today, you can't, you can't do it tomorrow. You can't start. And, and I think the problem there is we don't, or the critics would say, and I think they've got a bit of an argument, that is that who knows where the economy's taken us in a world that's going digital in so many ways that yeah. you know maybe the the revenue for local government will be in in somehow taxing various versions of the Uber right. slash gig economy right right the, the the opposite pushback is if you if you allow this if you defeat this amendment and go forward that guys like Rex Singfield can in essence shift the tax burden away from income which he's wanted to do forever and on to services that you don't know anything about when you you know a haircut or whatever it is and that that it would enable if you will the anti-income tax folks 
to, to get a leg up in the state. That's kind of the pushback on the other side. But again, it, it seems rather a rather, I don't know, inside baseball amendment that isn't gr uh, getting a lot of attention. Do you see it any differently, No, it, it's not getting a lot of attention, and, and, I think, and, and voters are going to be very confused by right, this one. Isn't the tendency when you don't know what's going on just to vote no and because yeah. you don't get it? Well, accepting the, the yes vote here is, for, is against taxes, so I think that might be a powerful thing that make it harder right. to mm -hmm. just call, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, and that leads us into the last question, which is Amendment 1, the tenth of a cent for conservation in the state, and that's been in place for many years. And renewed several times. And renewed several times, so it should be okay. But, but here's what I find interesting, and let's draw, uh, go across the state line into Kansas for part of this. On the local ballot in Jackson County, you have the combat tax, which is a mm -hmm. renewal of a quarter cent mm -hmm. to quote-unquote fight drugs. You have a children's, an eighth of a cent for some so, sort of weird children's fund to help kids or whatever. That's question two. Clay Chastain's three-quarter of a cent is on the ballot for a light rail proposal. You've got a quarter cent in Johnson County for a new courthouse. The, you know, in all the sort of anti-tax mood that you hear out, the, 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 the local authorities are just piling on sales tax after sales tax. No, Is there any right. point at which voters just say, enough? Yes. I mean, you, get, you get sales taxes at 9, 10, 11 cents on the dollar. That You know, at some point... Uh, you know, you think that the patients will run out with just nicking people to death. Yeah, Maybe what's, not. The, what's the proposition coming down the pike? Oh, it's um, in Kansas City, Missouri, there's an $800 million yeah, bond, bond issue. issue next year. That is a property tax increase. And right. it, it strikes me as interesting that for once we're seeing a, a branch of government go in the direction of property tax. We haven't seen that in forever around here because you're right, the focus has been solely on sales taxes. The public views those as more acceptable because they're seen as user fees, and I get all I that. You pay it a but, quarter of a cent at a time. But, you know, the, the Power and Light District, now you're topping 10 cents, 11 cents in, in different parts of the, of the metro, and yeah, at some point, folks are going to start to say, whoa, wait a minute, yeah. this isn't working for me. Yeah. Do, do you see it the same way, uh, Scotty, that, that, that people will run out of patience with sales taxes, or is this just more of the... Yeah, no, I agree broadly with Steve. The other thing, though, is, you know, even like the Clay Chastain thing well you know people will vote for those things that they like that you know and, and there's some buzz behind the light rail we've got going now people might car, confuse right. and, and and see that as as part of the whole um so i, th I think it, it there is, i think broadly people say no moss yeah, but they right. might individually say well i like this thing or i, I like kids yeah you know, well, fascinating to that, see yeah. right fascinating to see what the chastain light rail measure does this time because it did pass one time in a general election november you don't I think expect it was that thing to pass this time though do well you? i don't know it doesn't ha i don't it's a but, huge increase in, right. in sales taxes well right and but know, three quarters takes, of a cent and, well it takes money from the buses which i right there's all kinds of arguments against it on the merits but remember this just as a political matter doesn't have clay's name on it the streetcar is a big hit. Everybody loves That's the streetcar. That's what I'm saying. People say, I like the streetcar. So I want it to go farther. They'll see this and go. And they look at it and go, oh, I didn't know this was on. Yeah, I think that would be well, a good I, I idea. I think voters That's are savvy enough to decide. Yeah, I get that. I, I think voters in Kansas City are going to be savvy enough to draw distinctions between light rail and what Clay Chan Clay Chastain wants to do, which is a whole different system than streetcars. It's a very different deal. Uh, stay on the Kansas side of the state line for a minute and move off of issues and talk about the Kevin Yoder-Jay-Sidey race. 
uh, as we sit here with about 12 days to go or whatever the math would be, I think we're all shocked that we're actually covering a race there. I had a Republican tell me the other day he thinks it'll be a $5 million race in the House. Five million bucks. Remember, two years ago, there was zero outside money in the 3rd District when Kevin Yoder and ran against Kelly Katala. And then, and then the year before, or the cycle before that, he didn't even have an opponent. And now $5 million, which is an astonishing amount of money in an urban uh, house race. Is it close, Steve? Well, it feels like it's close. The campaigns are acting as if it's close. And if you go by the old adage, don't listen to what they say, but watch what they do, you get the sense that, yes, these guys are acting like the race is very much competitive. And no one saw this coming. Absolutely nobody. Even a month ago, six weeks ago, Jay Sidey was an absolute afterthought. And frankly, I thought Kevin Yoder, the Republican incumbent in this race, I thought he took Jay Sidey out with what I thought was a very effective ad that raised questions about Jay Sidey's voting record, doesn't, didn't show up to vote for a whole bunch of elections. And I thought, man, that really, that's a pretty effective ad. That's going to end the campaign for Jay Sidey. But I think what you're seeing is that Donald Trump is so unpopular in the third district that that metric alone is giving a challenger, an outside challenger like a Jay Sidey, a shot here. Hillary Clinton leading Trump in the third district of Kansas now, just the third district, by 8, 10, 12 points, some, some number like that. And that's having the effect of pulling Jay Sidey along with Hillary Clinton in the district. Again, nobody saw this coming. If it happens, it might rank as one of the two or three biggest upsets in the country on election night, and it's going to be right here in our backyard. You know, go ahead. If you have I just, I, yeah, what's interesting to me is that Jay Sidey is still a relative unknown. I think well, a lot of people are going to literally show up at the polling place, and that'll be the first time they've seen his name. Right, and so, and I think that's a fascinating facet of this election cycle, and the implications of the continued stress, if you will, on mainstream media, because 20 years ago the star would have assigned somebody to that race and really only that race or at least you know write a lot of stuff and so back in the days when Dennis Moore and, and you know, the Vince Snowbarger or whoever We embedded was. in both of those campaigns. You embedded in those campaigns. And a house race now with an incumbent. And so we had a real good sense of who Vince Snowbarger was. And we had a great sense, of course, of Dennis Moore and, and long, important, interesting stories. In the current environment, the, the smartest thing a challenger can do is stay out of sight. You know, make it a referendum on the incumbent. Make it a Donald Trump slash Sam Brownback race. And that's Brownback exactly race. what's happening and in that's this exa- race. And so now, you know, we're a week out. Hey, we've got to start paying to Jay Sidey almost too late. I mean, we don't, you know, he, he, he can really run out the clock or any challenger can run well, out the clock. And Jay Sidey's not late. making it easy. He has all but vanished from the scene. Right. I've been reaching out to him this week. I'm getting nothing. But Just the, crickets. That's my point is that. You know, 20 years ago, he probably would not have been able to make that choice because mainstream journalism, not just the paper, but TV reporters, others would have been out there sort of going, okay, Jay, what do you believe on Obamacare? What do you think about Syria? You know, things that you would want to know. In the current environment, when someone like that can sneak under the radar, he or she can remain under the radar. And now, as we all turn our attention to that race, as I say, it's almost too late. It's almost as mm-hmm. if, you know, we're trying to play catch up in the last 72 hours and yeah. it, it's difficult. I don't know whether you share that view or not, but. No, I, it's just incredible. And, the, and the, the, the entire campaign is TV commercials. 
which is also another dilemma because th- these are TV commercials in the, the age of the, the DVR, where right, you know, right. They, they, they spend so much money and to, to try to squeak through. Right, and plus, I must say, and it's and it's a and it's a war played on Twitter and everywhere. It, yep. It's it's more through um, runaround on on old right, right. style. Yeah. If you media. ever wonder why politicians tend to be paranoid people, there's no better example of it than this Kansas third district race with Kevin Yoder. Here's a guy who's on paper done a lot of things right. He shows up everywhere. He's raised a ton of money. He's running the ads with his wife and his kids. Uh, an age old political sort of tradition of way to ingratiate yourself with voters and yet still in this fluky political political year led by a guy but named Donald Trump Kevin Yoder is in serious trouble but it's just amazing doesn't Yoder have to bear some responsibility for not forcing the issue to I mean part of the cynicism is that whatever Kevin Yoder in that race decided to do was would be based on a calculation, a strategy, rather than to say, in essence, this is where I stand and like it or, you know, if you like it, vote for me. If you don't, I got a call last week from someone who sort of is working that that side of the ledger and said, hey, you really need to ask Jay Sidey this. And Jay Sidey hasn't talked to anybody about that. And all of it was true. But I said, well, where have you guys been? I mean, why aren't you out making that case? Why aren't you, you know, out pushing Jay Sidey to do debates and everything? And let me just finish the story. And so he said, he said, well, we didn't think this was going to be much of a race until a month ago. And I said, neither did we. <laughs> I mean, we didn't either. So, and I think there's something to that, that, Six that, that we can't be doing the job as much as we need to be looking at both any candidate in a race. We can't also can't be expected to do the job that, Get that candidates can yeah. do for themselves. The irony here in this race is astonishing. Six weeks ago, Jay Seide was begging to debate Kevin Yoder, and Kevin Yoder was saying, uh-uh, yeah, I don't need to. He was calculating right, the right. race wasn't going to be closed. Today, it's Kevin Yoder who's saying, yeah, I'll debate, and Jay Seide saying, uh-uh. Right. You know, Jay Seide feeling that he doesn't need to debate maybe to win this race. So there's, you know, pox on both their houses in a sense. They're, well, right. they're all strategizing, and, 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 and then the, the, the ultimate losers here are the public who don't really right. know who Jay Seide is and who to vote for. Well, here. and in addition to that, you know, it, it, my argument is always if, you're, if all the strategies are bad, which they may be in that race for both sides, why not do the right thing? <laughs> Just sit in a room and go, what do I think is the right thing to do? It's, it's right to debate. It's right to endorse Donald Trump, or it's wrong to endorse Donald Trump. Instead, and I think this is really a pox on all politics, every decision becomes strategic. Should we debate? Should we put out an ad? Should we you know, do all of these things rather than at some point candidates saying, this is what this is where I stand. I mean, this is because it's the right thing yeah, to do. Right. And I think the third district race, regardless of who wins, will look back someday and say, you know, it's really the pinnacle, I must say, of young consultants who, who sit in a room and game out virtually, you know, today, will we even talk to the press? Yeah. Rather than what we expected maybe a 20 or 30 years ago where there was some expectation the candidates would engage. And that cynicism flourishes, though, in an environment where voters aren't all that tuned in. If voters were Absolutely. tuned in, they would become more obvious Absolutely. and these guys would look like idiots. Right. Again, this race is, is, is a victim of Donald Trump's candidacy for the White House, Donald Trump blocking out the sun, soaking up all the attention. The third district of Kansas is way down everybody's radar screen, and yet it could be one of the biggest upsets. Well, in the country. we've got a few minutes left. Let's just uh, next week, by the way, on D background, we'll um, we'll uh, talk about all these races. 
and try and reach some conclusion of who we think might win or not win. Uh, you know, with the caveat that we're wrong usually. No, um, because you'll want to tune in because we always nail it, it right, exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. But um, um, so, where do we think the Trump uh, Clinton race is locally, and what its uh, is its impact now as we get close to Cander Blunt, Yoder, Seide, even the governor's race in Missouri, in a, in a way. I mean, do we have a sense that Trump is cratering and that that's going to take everybody down on the yes. G side two or three points yes. or, that, that, or that, people splitting their tickets? Where, what, what's our gut here? And we're seeing that phenomenon that you just described play out very clearly in Kansas and Missouri. We just talked about Jay Seide and Kevin Yoder. On the Missouri side, Jason Kander, the young Democratic candidate for the U.S. Senate, uh, enjoying, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the decline of Donald Trump in Missouri. Trump is still expected to win the state, but not by the 8, 10, 11 points he was thought to win it by a couple months ago. Now we're down to two, three, four, five points. And that difference, that margin, has really eaten into Roy Blunt, uh, the Republican incumbent in, in that race. So what's happening nationally very much affecting what we're okay, seeing I, here locally. I had to chuckle yesterday because I think this is right, and, you know, it's deep background, so we, we'll correct the record next week. But I think Chris Coster and... Um, and uh, Jason, no, and Jason oh. Kander campaigned together in Joplin yesterday for the first time. So you get the sense that the Democrats are trying to do a joint thing. But interestingly enough, you don't see Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or Michelle Obama within a thousand miles, really, of Missouri, because I think. And you still don't see Trump in the Democrats' ads. You don't really. Now, apparently, uh, in Kansas Third, apparently they're starting to run a spot now that. In essence, says yes. you know Kevin Yoder is Sam Brownback that's and right. Donald that's Trump. Right. But but in the in the on the Missouri side, I think that's fascinating. There's an ad we're doing. I'm doing an ad watch for the paper, and there is an ad out now in which Jason Kander's face, you know, sort of morphs into Nancy Pelosi, and then morphs into <laughs> Obama, and then morphs into Clinton. That's quite which a trick, a classic, by the way. Yeah, yeah, classic deal. Well, it's amazing what you can do with digital technology. But the Democrats have not responded in kind. You don't see a lot of blunt, you know, into into Trump. That suggests Trump is stronger in Missouri than we know, maybe. I mean, maybe yeah, they're we, polling we remember, we're, that. Like we're in the You look at a map, we're in the middle of Trump country. It's all red around here. Right. And right. the other thing, I, you know, the Trump campaign has certainly had troubles, and I think the trends that we're seeing the polls are are probably accurate. I, I'm a little distrustful of the polls because, you know, we're four years farther into a cell phone age where polling is yep. far more difficult, and you may— I, I, I suspect there may be some degree to which, particularly after the uh, Hollywood, what was the show? Access the, Hollywood. Access Hollywood tape, show yeah. tape, that people might be less proud of voting for Trump and maybe less truthful to pollsters. I, I, I suspect that race isn't entirely over. It might be a little closer than we think, right. which could could have sort of the ripple effects to you know, the Missouri Senate mm -hmm. race, for instance, well, that absolutely. maybe Cantor isn't as close as we right. think. One of, the, one of the formative experiences in my young political career, long before I was ever a reporter, was the 1968 race for president between uh, Hubert Humphrey and Richard Nixon. I was in. This is before the time of the movie yes, store. Yes, right, actually. right before the movie <laughs> store. But what I'll never forget about that race is Nixon led the entire time in all the public opinion polls, and you'd watch it every night, and Nixon's ahead, and then suddenly Humphrey at the end began Surged. to close. Yeah. And then, on the like, in the last 48 hours, he was actually leading in some national polls. And I, what, I, I just took away from that the idea that the guy who's in second place, if he can close 
with some strength builds up a momentum of his or her own, and uh, you know Trump could pull off the same thing that he's down. He's six. also the the least qualified as a just a candidate on the trail to do that. So the yes. the numbers come out this week that Obamacare rates are going to go up by about twenty five percent next year, and he blows it. He goes yes. to his his golf course yeah. and talks about he, he's unclear whether his employees the golf course are on Obamacare or not, which shows to me reflected a, a, that he didn't really understand how Obamacare works. Oh, no, he doesn't. That, that he didn't understand that if somebody's got insurance through an employer that Obamacare wouldn't be in play. He didn't. Right. He seemed, frankly, ignorant of that fact. He stepped on his own message. It was yet again, and he just, he has op- she gives him opportunity after opportunity, and he blows it. Yeah, but Obamacare is a whole other subject because I think 90% of the country misunderstands Obamacare. They think it's like Medicare. It isn't that at all. And and the raising, uh, the, the the rates that are going up don't apply to people who get it at work and their subsidies. And, and by the way, if you got rid of Obamacare, the people who are now facing the big increases wouldn't be able to get insurance at any price. So none yeah. of that ever comes up. In and the meantime, we're, everybody's sort of, of coming to mind that we really need to fix things in a serious way here and right. can... The Congress that we're about to elect get along with the president we're about to right. elect to do that. I don't right. know. But but I but what I was uh, on a panel uh, down at the Dole Institute with Steve uh, yesterday, and one of the things we talked about is whether or because I think you're exactly right on Trump. Every time he, he's given an opportunity, he fumbles it. If he might be doing better, had he just gone into a locked room on Labor Day, go hang out with Jay Sidey somewhere, hang out somewhere (laughs) exactly, and go into the basement and not say a word, he might be in better shape than he is today. Which again, I think Scott is arguing, which is probably pretty accurate, that the idea that he'll make an argument to close that will take a five-point gap down to a two-point gap is probably unlikely. But if it happens, if it happens regardless of the argument, then I do think you'll see over that weekend, oh, my God, Trump's within the margin of error in all these battleground states. He could still pull this thing out. And that provides a certain momentum and energy for his voters, maybe. Well, I think, of course, that, that's always a possibility. That, that's really it, the it, only way he gets there, right? Right. It, it, it just feels to me like this week, for the first time, the air's gone out of the balloon of the presidential race. It feels Feels, to use your word yesterday over in Lawrence, solidified that the race is solidified for Hillary Clinton to, to, to a great degree. Yes, things can change. Things always do change in politics. But boy, I, I think the country's interest in, in, in the presidential race, now that the debates are, are over, has waned a little bit. Uh, advanced voting has already begun. Those numbers seem to speak well for the Democrats, at least so far. Turnout's pretty high. Turnout's pretty high. And so I, you just begin to wonder, you know, if there is a f- viable path for Trump almost under any circumstance. Is there any possibility that a Roy Blunt comes out and, and, and you know, repudiates Trump in the last week or that uh, a Yoda Why would he do that? it now? That's my question. Why would you no, because do it now? Trump still has so many, he doesn't too, want to alienate probably. those yeah. Trump voters. Yeah. Trump still has so many supporters in Missouri. He's expected to win the state. He won the primary barely over Ted Cruz. So, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. So we think that uh, the presidential is locking in, and really that suggests as sort of a final question that all the other down-ballot races are locking in a little bit probably too. I mean, there's, there's some play, but... 
there isn't anything we see in candor blunt that's going to change that dynamic, whatever it is, between now and Election Day, right or not right? Well, I mean, there's just something that can happen. There's not going to be a debate. There's not going to be a killer ad. There's not going to be some big scandal involving any of those candidates or the governor's race in Missouri or anything that will dramatically change whatever trajectory it's on. Now. Yeah, we're talking, you know, we expect Chris Coster to, you know, he's the, le- the, the favorite in the governor's race, Democrat, uh, Jason Kander having a shot at the U.S. Senate race in Missouri. He's a Democrat. But the other down-ballot races, at least three or four of them, are going to go Republican. The lieutenant governor's race is thought to be a toss-up between Mike Parson, the Republican, and Russ Carnahan. But attorney general, uh, uh, state treasurer, secretary of state, all those, at least as of today, the thinking is will go Republican. All right, great. Scott Cannon with the Kansas City Star. Thanks for being with us, Scotty. And um, Steve Kraske with KCUR is up to date and the Star. Thanks for being with us. We got one more deep background next week. Again, join us. We'll be talking about all of this uh, as we head into uh, Election Day. Uh, as always, thanks for being with us and joining us. Uh, questions, comments, criticisms, anger, frustration, send us an email. Send it to Kraski because he doesn't get <laughs> as much email as Cannon and, and uh, me. And so, uh, you know, we, we don't want him to be lonely. Um, and then again next week we'll we'll wrap up the election and then we'll have a podcast after it over trying to explain what it's all meant. Thanks again for joining us. You have been on Deep Background.